Our reading for today is by Mary Oliver, a beautiful poem called The Journey. One day, you finally knew what you had to do and began, though though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. The whole house began to tremble, and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Mend my life! Each voice cried, but you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do. Though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations, though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough, and a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds. And there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Cannot hear the news, it only stains my heart. Heavy fear comes through, weighs me down. The smallest ray of hope I take into my soul, a friend I found. Perhaps the world is flat I've walked out to the edge With torn, outdated maps And wondering when Some blessed clarity Might find its way to me But till then I'm gonna take one step One that are not mine I've carried way too long neither the will nor time to sort it all my weary arms they shake what difference would it make to let it Step 
Thank you for sharing with us your very newest song. And the ink would still be wet if she wrote them down. <laughs> and Ruth, dear Ruth, thank you for sharing Mary Oliver. I was, um, I was away for a while in January catching up with family out of state, and everywhere I went, there was public television, and everywhere the public stations were airing a special show highlighting the past 25 years of the Nature series. So three times now I have watched the segment about Shirley the Asian Elephant. <laughs> Has anyone else seen Shirley the Asian Elephant? Some of you have. Shirley is in her 60s now, for most of those years, she wore a huge leg chain. Her first 30 years, she was beat up by life in the circus. Part of this ear is gone, big gash. She has burn scars. She was rescued from drowning when a circus boat sank. Her right back leg is crooked and lame from when another circus elephant attacked her and broke it. In short, Shirley's like the rest of us who've been around for a while. The circus didn't want her crippled, so she was taken to a Louisiana zoo that could afford only one elephant. So the next 22 years, she spent in her cage alone, no others of her kind. Her main companion was Solomon, her devoted African-American keeper who, for 22 years, did all he could to be her companion, bathed her, petted her, fed her snacks of hay, called her by name. Everything's going to be all right, Shirley. I'm with you 100% of the way, Shirley girl. 
his 9,200-pound Shirley girl. She was still in chains. Eventually, the zoo couldn't support her either, so a decade ago, Shirley was transported, last transport, last time, to her new home, the Elephant Sanctuary in the rolling hills of Tennessee, where she would be free for the first time since she was five in Sumatra, where there were woods and meadows, streams and ponds, and a spacious barn, a soft bed, and other elephants. She balked at the transport truck. She has seen too many of those, and elephants remember. (laughs) Solomon tried to talk her in. They finally had to use a winch. It was July. The truck rolled through the cool of the night to Tennessee. Solomon went along, and also other people and cameras. And you can see all this online. Just Google (laughs) urban elephant urban elephant, when they arrive at the sanctuary and get Shirley out of the truck and into the barn, we see Solomon, who's very slight and wiry, kneel down by Shirley's tree trunk of a leg and perform an unforgettable action. He unlocks her chain for good. And it is quite a moment watching Solomon James Southern black man, probably the great-great-grandson of people who were bought and sold and transported, do this thing. He's got his tears pretty much under control when he's working that lock on her leg chain and when he says to the camera and to the gathering and to the world, I don't know who put the first chain on her, but I'm glad to know I'm the last one to take it off. Shirley is free at last, but she doesn't know it. And she doesn't want to leave that barn. She won't leave till later, after a miracle happens. That's what the sanctuary staff called it, a miracle. When night fell and other elephants started coming back to the barn, one was a younger one named Jenny. And when she and Shirley recognized each other. They set up a pandemonium. They roared and they bellowed and they would not stop. Their areas were separated by metal bars and they tried so desperately to get to each other, reach each other, touch each other, that they bent the steel. The staff managed to remove the bars and these two wounded animals had a reunion like no one there had ever witnessed, trumpeting their joy. It turns out that decades earlier, the two elephants had been in the same circus. Jenny had been just a calf, and Shirley had taken on the role of her mother protector. Now gouged and scarred, they were together again, and I mean together. We see them move together as if they are Velcroed along the side. And we see them in one uh, image standing with their trunks. They're, They're standing like this. Their trunks are crossed so that my trunk is in the heart, toward the heart of this elephant. This elephant's trunk is in the heart of this one. With Jenny by her side, Shirley was ready to try this new life. The two exited the barn very slowly, together, side to side, to roam the hills of freedom.
Kabir, the Indian mystic poet of the 1400s, wrote, Friend, hope for the guest while you're alive. Jump into experience while you're alive. What you call salvation belongs to the time before death. If you don't break your ropes while you're alive, do you think ghosts will do it after? (laughs) Break your ropes while you're alive. Now, if you will go with me, we will leave Tennessee and go to Kenya for another true story. A woman named Kim Rosen wrote a book called Saved by a Poem. At some point in Kim Rosen's journey, she spent time in Kenya at a shelter for young Maasai women who had run away from home to escape the violence of ritual mutilation. While Kim was visiting the young women, girls really, They asked her if she'd sing something. They liked to hear songs. Kim said what she really likes is poetry. They said, well then, will you recite a poem? And the first poem that came to Kim's mind was Mary Oliver's The Journey, a poem about leaving home. So Kim recited the poem, here slightly edited, One day you finally knew what you had to do. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice, though the whole house began to tremble, it was already late enough, and a wild night, and the road full of fallen branches and stones, but little by little, as you left their voices behind, there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, as you strode deeper and deeper into the world, determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. By the time Kim got to the end of the poem, some of the Maasai women were weeping. Who is this Mary Oliver, one of them asked. Is she Maasai? (laughs) I believe the answer to that question is, in a way, yes. And so are we, all of us, Maasai women, in a part of our being. We are Maasai women escaping the knife. We are surely the elephant, beat up but lumbering on. We are the demonstrators who take to the streets in Egypt, in Tunisia, and in Selma. We are all of these in one part of our being, in that deep place inside where we have got to be free. A couple weeks ago, we had a minister's meeting over at our sister church in St. Paul, about 35 Unitarian Universalist ministers and student ministers from this area, and some colleagues drove in from Wisconsin, from Duluth, from Rochester. That day, we asked the Reverend John Cummins, our minister emeritus, to speak to us and to give us some wisdom about ministry. We sat in a big circle, and John Cummins stood at one end, If our circle was like this big shiny thing here, all these shiny broken ministers around the edges, and John is right there in the pupil of the eye. And you know how John is. He commands the room. He always will. He speaks in complete sentences with subjects and verbs. Whole thoughts. (laughs) Complete paragraphs. He started out 
describing a trip he took to Florence, Italy, as a younger minister, and how he searched out, uh, an arduous search, actually. He searched out, and he found the old gated English cemetery there, and how he got through the gate and pushed his way through the tall grass. He said it was like being on a safari to find the headstone of Theodore Parker, our Unitarian forebear. Reverend Parker was worn out when he died in Florence in 1860 at age 50. Back in Boston, he had preached to thousands in a huge concert hall. He had opposed the Fugitive Slave Act and he gave sanctuary to a fugitive slave woman himself and to protect her slept with a loaded gun by his bed. Parker preached a radical message for those times. He said, the words of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, blessed are they who mourn, blessed are the peacemakers. The words of the Sermon on the Mount aren't true because Jesus said them. They are true because they're true. Take away Jesus and the truth of the message remains. In the end, most Boston Unitarians couldn't handle Parker's message, so they shunned him, and Parker felt like he'd failed. But he didn't fail John Cummins, and he didn't fail the Midwestern minister sitting in that circle, and he didn't fail you. He's still with us, brokenness at all and all, and Parker's headstone in that Florence cemetery says, his name is engraved in marble, his virtues in the hearts of those he helped to free from slavery and superstition. That day, John, John Cummins said to us, never forget, ministers never forget, that liberal religion is for the liberation of the human spirit. Our faith is for the liberation of the spirit. Salvation is also liberation. These last four Sundays, Ruth and Justin have power-washed that encrusted old word, salvation. They have grabbed the defibrillator and zapped it back to life, jolted it back to life. They made the word salvation fresh again, made it about relationship and wholeness. We start with our broken lives and we move toward wholeness by sharing, by engaging, by bringing what's inside out, by recognizing that our brokenness is essential to our humanity and by joining together in solidarity like this and in beauty. Fazia Khan, we thank you for creating this. This is how we are saved. This is the fifth Sunday we have spent on the theme of salvation, and I am thinking some of you might be ready to be saved from this topic. <laughs> I only want to add one thought. <laughs> salvation is also liberation. The road to wholeness is also the road to freedom. Why do I say this? I say this because, and this is what I see and also what I experience, the broken places in our lives can so easily become the stuck places. When we are living with challenges like the ones we wrote on those shiny shards of CDs, addiction, rocky marriages, abusive family members, 
frustrations with our job or no job, mental illness, financial distress. When we're living with these tough things, it's so easy to fall into shame and silence, resentment, remorse. Then we're in a cage with our leg in a chain. That's why, for instance, forgiveness can be liberation. Reluctance to forgive, especially to forgive ourselves, and I am slightly familiar with that one, is a chain. But to forgive is to get free and move forward. As Archbishop Desmond Tutu put it, no future without forgiveness. No future without forgiveness. Our broken places become our stuck places, and salvation is about getting free. And isn't it clear by now that we don't get free on our own? Getting unstuck is not a solo project. Someone had to build the safe house for those Kenyan girls. Someone has to create our 12-step groups. Theodore Parker had to open his door to that fugitive slave and have his pistol at the ready. Solomon had to keep Shirley company as best he could till the day he could unlock her chain. Liberation stories, I have noticed, are so often stories about great friendships. Shirley and her keeper Solomon, Shirley and Jenny, one of my favorites, Wilbur, the doomed pig, and Charlotte, the spider who believed in him and worked her magic. King George VI of England, in the film that's scooping up awards this year, The King's Speech, who's seen it? Oh, yeah. The King's Speech, in that Mostly true story. King, King George is chained to his stammer, a disability he doesn't expect to overcome, one that will keep him from leading his nation, he believes. But his brilliant Australian speech coach, Lionel Logue, a commoner, works with him in the most fiercely loving and wildly unconventional way, and Lionel isn't about to let Bertie give up. He's like Solomon. You can do it, Shirley girl. I'm with you 100% of the way. We'll get this chain off. And in spite of precedent and the odds, they do. When we're saved, we're saved by others and with others. We're saved by others and with others. The salvation we're talking about, liberation salvation, isn't an individual achievement. As Justin said earlier this month, salvation isn't a matter of, I've got my ticket to heaven and good luck to you because you're on your own. <laughs> Somewhere along the line, it seems salvation got confused with corporate capitalism. <laughs> In the ancient Hebrew tradition, salvation was always and only about a whole people being saved. Salvation happened when a people of covenant, a people of covenant, practice righteousness and justice together. When we're saved, we're saved by others and with others. I've told you before about my older brother, Kevin, and with his permission, I mention this again. Kevin is 65, and he, he lived with a significant stutter all his life. As a disability, it shaped his life and held him back, got him stuck. He has the ideas, he has the words, he has the creativity, but the words get stuck. A few years ago, a new technology came into his life. 
It's called Speech Easy. Speech Easy. And it works on a principle called delayed auditory feedback. You put this tiny battery powered device in your ear, and when you speak, it gives you a slightly delayed feedback of your own voice that tricks your brain, and you experience yourself talking in concert with others. It sounds to you, the speaker, like you're one voice in a group of voices. They call this the choral effect, C-H-O-R-A-L, choral effect. You're no longer speaking alone. When Kevin uses this device, his words flow, and he can go into situations and relationships he never risked before. When we're saved, we're saved by others and with others. And we are saved for others. Our faith is for the liberation of the human spirit, John Cummins reminded us, but not for the liberation of ourselves only. When we are set free, we are set free for others. Last week, I talked with Kelly Clement. I have permission from her as well. Kelly is an alpha member here. You have heard her preach. She has been so helpfully open about her alcoholism. For years now, with the help of others, she has been liberated from alcohol use and from the lifestyle that went with it. We know Kelly as friend, as leader, prophetic voice for reproductive rights and racial justice, as a musician with a voice, as a force. And she's only begun her ministry of service. And Kelly says, I believe I was saved for this, for ministry. I was liberated so I could serve. When we're set free, we're set free for others. I love this paradox in that Mary Oliver poem, The Journey. The poem is about getting away, running away, escaping bondage. But then we get this. Mary writes, But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds, and there was a new voice, which you slowly recognized as your own, that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world. The freedom that salvation calls us deeper and deeper into the world, into service. It was true for Bertie, King George. Freed from the bondage of his stammer, he was able to serve his people, strengthen them through the harrowing years of World War II. It was true for Shirley, the Asian elephant. Once she got freedom, she served Jenny, the younger and weaker of the two, till Jenny died. She'd wait for her, she'd share with her, and when Jenny would lie down for a nap in the meadow, Shirley stood over her, shading her from the sun. It's true for you in this church every time your small group circles around and you share something tough or tender and the others hear you and hold you in those moments you become even more able and available to listen and love them when their turn comes when we're saved we're saved for others in the words of young Beth Stelson we are all connected we're in this together. The name of our signature song isn't I will, it is we will. Together we are stronger 
It's the choral effect. These words are from that song. It's a long path we've set our feet upon. It's a long path we've set our feet upon. And with loving hearts walk on. With loving hearts walk on. We will walk on. We will walk on. We are going to stand and sing this together with the choir and with Anne. This will be the first time the congregation has attempted to join the choir on this. And I'm saying hum, do ooh and ah. Anything, sing where and when you like, in tune or out of tune, we don't care, but feel it, it is your song, so be it, amen.